0: The future of Jerusalem is bright. The prophet Isaiah paints a glorious picture of Jerusalem's future. What we see today, present Jerusalem, pales in comparison to Isaiah's inspired depiction. God has work to do. God has promises to fulfill. And today... On this 97th episode of the Tove Podcast, we study God's vision of a repentant, restored, and renewed Jerusalem. You are listening to the Tove Podcast. Welcome to the Tove Podcast. My name is Levi Hazen. I have the privilege of serving as your host for today, and also as the Executive Director of Life and Messiah International. For over 130 years, Life and Messiah has been faithfully declaring the message of Messiah to Jewish people around the globe, whether it's in the digital realm, on the streets of New York City or Tel Aviv, or whether it's in soup kitchens or Messianic congregations. Life and Messiah staff are committed to sharing God's heart for the Jewish people and the message of the Messiah. Learn more about us at lifeinmessiah.org. Well, today on the Tove podcast, we are going to take a look at Jerusalem's future. Now, there are so many places that we could go in the Bible to get a clear depiction of the future Jerusalem. We find clear depictions of Jerusalem in both the prophets in the Hebrew Bible, as well as in certain places in the New Covenant scriptures. Today, I want to examine with you one of my favorite portions of scripture. That is Isaiah 60 through 66. In this particular section of the book of Isaiah, the prophet gives us a phenomenal picture of the future Jerusalem. As mentioned in the introduction, the future Jerusalem is a repentant Jerusalem. The future Jerusalem is one who has recognized that the Messiah has come in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The future Jerusalem is one that has been restored to the Lord. Both physically restored, the Jewish people gathered from around the globe and restored to the land that God has given them. But a spiritually restored Jerusalem as well, where the people are following the God of Israel and believing in his provision from sin, the Messiah. And it is a renewed Jerusalem, a renewed Jerusalem where the geography of the land has actually changed, where there's a life-giving river flowing out from a new sanctuary, making The Dead Sea, live again, where Gentile nations are coming up to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. This future Jerusalem is going to be amazing, and if you are a believer in Jesus today, you will take part in this new Jerusalem. This new Jerusalem, as we'll see from the scriptures, will be the seat of authority for the Messiah's rule and reign over his 1,000-year kingdom. And so, without further ado, let's just start going through the scriptures together. If you're in a position where you can open your Bible, I'd invite you to do so to Isaiah chapter 60. If not, then just feel free to listen along, and, and I'd encourage you to go back to the scriptures and read this portion of scripture at a later time. Isaiah chapter 60 starts off like this. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines on you. Now, who's the you here? Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. It's Jerusalem. This prophecy uh, and, and many of the prophecies over the next six chapters are about Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, For look, darkness covers the earth, and total darkness the peoples. But the Lord will shine on you, Jerusalem, and his glory will appear over you. Verse 3, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your radiance. Raise your eyes and look around. They all gather and come to you. Your sons will come from far away, and your daughters will be carried on the hip. Verse 5, then you'll see and be radiant. Your heart will tremble and rejoice because the riches of the sea will become yours and the wealth of the nations will come to you. Isaiah here is painting a picture where the nations of the earth stream to Jerusalem and they're carrying their wealth with them. Verse 6 says, caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian, and Ephah, all of them will come from Sheba. They will carry gold and frankincense and proclaim the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar will be gathered to you. The rams of Nebueth will serve you and go up on my altar as an acceptable sacrifice. I will glorify my beautiful house. Now, verse 7 is quite intriguing. Of course, we're talking about a period in the future here. And Isaiah teaches us that there's going to be rams going up on an altar in God's beautiful house. You see, we know from other parts of Scripture that there's going to be a future millennial temple. This temple is enormous in size. It's beautiful in its appearance. The temple that Ezekiel describes in 40-48 in through 48 has never been built before. And therefore, the text requires that there is a future temple, and it is a millennial temple. God says he will glorify his beautiful house, and there is a reinstitution of some sacrifices in the millennial kingdom. Now, it should be pointed out that these sacrifices are not a reinstitution of the Mosaic covenant, where sacrifices provided a covering for sin. Of course, we know the blood of bulls and goats never provided full removal or forgiveness of sins. That's never been the case. And so, even though we see millennial sacrifices at a new rebuilt temple, they are not for the forgiveness of sins. Perhaps they're memorial sacrifices, pointing to the once and for all sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Perhaps they're for other reasons, but either way, there are differences between the Mosaic sacrifices and the future millennial sacrifices. If you want to read more about those differences, I'd encourage you to check out Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's book called Footsteps of the Messiah, where he has a great section in that book that dives down into the differences between future millennial sacrifices and previous mosaic sacrifices. But that's not our topic for today. Verse 8 says, "'Who are these who fly like a cloud, like doves to their shelters?' Yes, the islands will wait for me and the ships of Tarshish in the lead to bring your children from far away. Whose children? The children of Israel. Their silver and their gold with them for the honor of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, who has glorified you. Again, the you being Jerusalem. Listen to verse 10. It says foreigners. Another way to say that maybe is Gentiles. will build up your walls, Jerusalem. And their kings will serve you. Although I struck you, Jerusalem, in my wrath, yet I will show mercy to you with my favor. Verse 11 Your gates will always be open, they will never be shut day or night, so that the wealth of the nations may be brought into you, with their kings being led in in procession. Verse 12 For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve you, Jerusalem, will perish those nations will be annihilated. It's interesting that really Jerusalem is made the focal point of the world in the future millennial kingdom. Verse 13 says, The glory of Lebanon will come to you, its pine, fir, and cypress together. Why? To beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will glorify my dwelling place. You see, after the destruction of the temple... We know that the Shekinah glory of God departed the temple. And we don't see the Shekinah glory. We don't see the manifest presence of God entering the temple again until, until we get to this future millennial kingdom where God's kingdom is going to reign over all the earth. The same kingdom that the Lord asked us to pray for. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 14 says the sons of your oppressors will come and bow down to you. All who reviled you, Jerusalem, will fall face down at your feet. They will call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Instead of your being deserted and hated with no one passing through, I'll make you an object of eternal pride, a joy from age to age. You will nurse on the milk of nations and nurse at the breast of kings. And you will know that I, Yahweh, am your Savior and Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. We see here a picture of a repentant Jerusalem, a Jerusalem whose people are walking in relationship with the God of Israel. Verse 17 says, I'll bring gold instead of bronze, I'll bring silver instead of iron, bronze instead of wood, and iron instead of stones. I will appoint peace as your guard and righteousness as your ruler. Verse 18, Violence will never again be heard in your land. Devastation and destruction will be gone from your borders. But you will name your walls salvation and your gates praise. Now, let's just take a step back a second and ask ourselves, why did God in his... Unlimited wisdom inspire Isaiah to give us this picture of the future. There may be many different reasons why, but I got to think that one of them is to provide hope. Because at this point in Israel's history, when Isaiah wrote this, Israel was in despair. Israel was heading into exile. Much of Israel was consumed with idolatry. Much of Israel was not walking in the ways of the Lord. And the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah and others lamented over the people and the state that they were in. But amidst that darkness, that spiritual darkness, amidst the oppressors of Babylon and Assyria and others, Isaiah's message shines through like a bright light that tells the original readers of this text that this is not where God is leaving you. The nations that surround you, your enemies, Israel, do not have the final say. Because here's where you're heading in the future. You're headed toward a situation where peace will be your guard. You're headed toward a situation where your gates will be open day and night. You're headed toward a situation where Gentile nations are going to carry their wealth into you instead of oppressing you. And if you were a citizen of Israel living in Isaiah's time, or shortly thereafter even, or perhaps even today, Isaiah's description of the future provides great hope that where you are today is not where you will end up. Look to the Lord. Be hopeful. Here's where he's taking you. Be encouraged. Verse 19 goes on, The sun will no longer be your light by day, and the brightness of the moon will not shine on you, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your splendor. Why? Because God is physically present in Jerusalem once again. Because the Messiah's central seat of authority is going to be Jerusalem. Your sun will no longer set. Your moon will not fade. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. And the days of your sorrow will be over. Then all the people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. They are the branch I planted, the work of my hands, so that I may be glorified. The least will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am Yahweh. I will accomplish it quickly In it's time. And that's just one chapter. That's Isaiah chapter 60. And there are so many jewels to be gleaned about Jerusalem's future in just that one chapter. And we see at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 61 that this text is what Jesus quoted in the New Testament when he visited the synagogue in Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4... It says, as usual, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus had a custom of going to the synagogue, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. And where did Jesus read from? He read from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He, Jesus, then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now, what's fascinating is that Jesus stops at an interesting point in Isaiah's text. But he stops in mid-thought, we might say. And he says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he stops. And I think it was very purposeful that the Messiah stopped at this point. Because when the Messiah first came to this earth, he did not come as a conquering judge. He did not come as a warrior king. He did not come to bring judgment. And if Jesus would have just continued to read, we may find his ministry on earth quite confusing. But he stopped for a reason. Why? Because when he returns, his ministry picks up. And his ministry can be seen in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2. If Jesus would have continued reading that day, here's what he would have read. In the day of our God's vengeance. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. You see, Jesus' first coming was all about the suffering servant image of the Messiah, as revealed in Isaiah chapters 52,53, and other portions of Scripture, like the Psalms. But when Jesus returns, his goal is to defeat the enemies of Israel and restore Zion, not just to a spiritual state, but a physical state. Because if Jesus would have kept reading that day in the synagogue, into verse 4, here's what it says They, Israel, will rebuild the ancient ruins, they will restore the former devastations, they'll renew the ruined cities and devastations of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks, and foreigners will be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you, again, who's the you? It's Jerusalem, it's the people of Israel, will be called the Lord's priests. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations, and you will boast in their riches. Because your shame was double, and they, The nations, or Israel's oppressors, cried out, disgrace is their portion. Therefore, they will possess double in their land, and eternal joy will be theirs. For I, Yahweh, love justice. I hate robbery and injustice. I will faithfully reward them. Who's the them in the context? It's the future Israel here. I will faithfully reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants, whose descendants? Israel's descendants will be known among the nations, and their posterity among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I greatly rejoice in the Lord, I exult in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation, and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, as a groom wears a turban, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth produces its growth and as a garden enables what is sown to spring up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. And that concludes chapter 61. Friends, some people want to look at these passages and they want to say, well, that's all just allegory. God's not really going to do those things. If that's the case, then what do these things mean? Is God purposely trying to confuse us by giving us imagery and then not explaining what the imagery is all about? I don't think so. I think these passages are to be taken in their normal, plain sense, literal meaning. Is it too hard to imagine that God is going to restore Israel and make them the priests that he had originally called them out to be back in Exodus chapter 19? I don't think so especially when we have other promises in the New Testament by the apostle Paul for example who says that one day all Israel will be saved in Romans chapter 11. Well, we're going to take a quick break on the Tove podcasts. When we come back, we'll continue with Isaiah's depiction of the future glorious Jerusalem. Since 1887, Life in Messiah has helped Christians understand the Jewish roots of our faith and God's ongoing commitment to His people. We teach that anti-Semitism is inconsistent with biblical faith and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which includes her spiritual renewal as well as physical safety. In all we do, our priority is to share the gospel message. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or at lifeinmessiah.org. That's lifeinmessiah.org. welcome back to the Tove podcast we are taking a look at isaiah's depiction of a glorious future zion by the way did you know that the bible is the one that calls israel zion unfortunately the term zion oftentimes has a negative connotation today And just for your information, this is all bonus, the likely reason for that is that in the 1970s, the United Nations decided that the term Zionism, or the belief of Zionism, was racist. That's right. The belief that the Jewish people, the most persecuted group on the face of the earth, the belief that they should have their own homeland and a right to live in safety, was racist. Now, many years later, the United Nations did the right thing by retracting that statement that Zionism equals racism. But by then, the damage had been done. And now, in today's day and age, if you call yourself a Zionist, usually that's a negative term. But let me tell you something. One of the greatest Zionists that I know and read about is the prophet Isaiah, inspired By God, Isaiah tells us about a future Jerusalem that is restored and living in peace. And I think you're going to be shocked about what Isaiah tells us to do about it. Let's dive right back into Isaiah chapter 62. He says this. He says, I will not keep silent because of Zion. I will not keep still because of Jerusalem. Until her righteousness Shines like a bright light, and her salvation like a flaming torch. Isaiah says here, essentially, I'm not going to stop, folks. I'm going to keep putting energies. I'm going to keep investing myself into Jerusalem's glorious future. Verse 2, he says, nations will see your righteousness. Who's the your? Jerusalem. Nations will see your righteousness, Jerusalem, and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the Lord's mouth will announce. You will be a glorious crown in the Lord's hand and a royal diadem in the palm of your God. You, Jerusalem, will no longer be called deserted, and your land will not be called desolate. Instead, you'll be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, Jerusalem, and your land will be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so your sons will marry you. And as a groom rejoices over his bride, so your God will rejoice over you. You know, if God is going to rejoice over this future Jerusalem, which is all his doing, by the way, this is the Spirit of God doing the work in the hearts and minds of the people of Israel. If God is going to rejoice over that, shouldn't we? Verse 6 says, Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen on your walls. They'll never be silent, day or night. There is no rest for you who remind the Lord. Now, this is fascinating here. There is no rest for those who remind the Lord. What does it mean to remind the Lord? Well, I got to think some sense of that is those who pray to God, those who pray to the Lord. What does Isaiah say here in chapter 62, verse 7? He says to those who remind the Lord, to those who pray to God, do not give him rest. Don't give him rest about what, Isaiah? Do not give him rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise of the earth. Are you kidding me? That is awfully Zionist of Isaiah. Do not give God rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise of the earth? It seems so. How does this play itself out practically? I think one way it plays itself out practically is that we are praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122 verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. I think it means praying for the salvation of Israel, which we know is going to come in the future. I think it means blessing Israel. And the greatest way to bless Israel is with the message of the Messiah. And I want to invite you to take part in reaching the people of Israel with the message of the Messiah of Israel. Life in Messiah's work is focused passionately focused on making the Messiah known among his people and by God's grace and his generosity. We've had the privilege of doing that for over 130 years and we're not just excited about the wonderful faithfulness that God has shown to us in our history though. We are marching forward into the future. We are excited about the vision that God has given us as we go forward into the future. Not only the far future, however long that may be ahead of us, that Isaiah paints, but the next three to five years, as we engage Jewish people in the digital realm, as we engage people on the streets, will you pray about partnering with us? We're looking for prayer warriors as we bring the message of the gospel to the Jewish people. We're looking for financial partners to continue to provide for the work that we're doing, and we can increase the work that we're doing and supply our staff as they're out in the fields. Will you ask the Lord how he would have you partner with us? Visit lifeandmessiah.org and ask the Lord how he would have you partner with us. Well, we got all the way through Isaiah chapter 62, verse 7 today. Thank you for joining me as we have walked together through this portion of Scripture. I hope you'll join me on the next episode as we continue to study Isaiah's future depiction of a glorious Jerusalem. Until next time, Shalom.